Morning, my name is Chris Frostad. I'm the president and CEO of PurePoint Uranium Group, Inc. We're an exploration company operating in Canada's Athabasca Basin. Uh, we have uh, a fairly significant portfolio of projects there, two of which are joint ventures with uh, two of the largest uranium producers and uh, suppliers in the world. So we're, uh, and we're happy to be here today to talk to Merlin. Chris, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to be talking to you. Um, <clears throat> It's what a terrible market, huh? I mean, there's a, there's a, um, a buyer's strike, there's a capital strike, uh, everybody's under pressure. But um, PurePoint's been around for 20 years, you've been running it for 20 years, you've lived through these cycles before. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you adapt to the downturn so that, um, so that you, the company survives and kind of lives to kind of keep fighting. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and actually it goes back further than that because I was in, in tech for 15, 20 years back in the internet days. So uh, the roller coaster rides are something that are a bit of a norm for, for myself and uh, many of the people around us. But it's been, you know, it's been an interesting three years because it's, uh, you know, after, after 10 years of, of languishing in the uranium markets uh, and kind of waiting for uh, the price to come back to a point where, uh, where people could start opening up mines again, uh, you know, during that time, we, uh, you know, we buckled down, kept our powder dry, um, kept our projects safe and maintained and, uh, uh, you know, and did the work that we needed to do to keep ourselves active during that time. But in the last three years, it's been interesting. We saw uh, back right at the end of 20, uh, 2020, I guess, um, uh, the world got excited about uranium again. Um, we started to see uh, supply tighten up. And, and the spot price of uranium uh, go jumping up again. But I think uh, as much as the, and, and I think a lot of people under, understand the underlying mechanics of, of the uranium markets. It's a small market. It doesn't take a lot of money to push it around for the most part. Uh, but, uh, you know, around the time when, when Fukushima hit, uh, uh, went out and the, the tsunami hit Japan, uh, we saw that there was quite a significant overhang in, in uranium supply. And, uh, and so during the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of production slowed down or stopped. Um, we've seen that price of uranium sitting well below uh, incentive levels to turn a mine back on and things tightening up again. And over the last maybe five years, six years, we've been producing 20 to 30% less uranium than we actually consume. So as things turned around uh, about three years ago, everybody got excited about it again, knowing that the price of uranium had to go from 25 up to... Sixty-five, eighty dollars a pound. Um, we saw a lot more money come back into the markets, and we've. Uh, uh, but you know, to your point about the ups and the downs, I think we saw about a sixteen-month run of excitement when when all of the uranium equities uh, went on a bit of a tear, and a lot of capital was available. But you know, the price of uranium peaked. I guess it was April, April of last year, um, at sixty, uh, a little over sixty dollars. And then it came off a little bit, and it's been sitting there ever since, down around $52, $55. And as a result, over the last, over the last 16 months, we've seen equities uh, drift back down, uh, uranium equities in particular drift back down as the market uh, kind of sits back and, and waits for things to happen again. So, But it's, um, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's been a pretty savage pullback in terms of the uranium um, equities. I, I think that w w what I see, what happened to the uranium equities, is that they suddenly, within a very short space of time, there was a a, a lot of money trying to get into a very small sector. Um, right, that's right. And and what happened to, to my eyes is that it seems as if the the, the equity market was 
pricing in a uranium price of over $100 or kind of $150. So, you know, that it was that the value of the stocks had ridden so sharply that when the uranium price underneath started to slow down or actually give a little bit, a bit back, there was a lot of unwinding to do, again, in a relatively illiquid sector. And I, I, there was also the backdrop of the wider resources sector downturn over the last three years. So base metals, gold, it's all been pretty tough for the last two and a half, three years. And so I think uranium stocks have been caught in the downdraft. Um, did you did you ramp up? Did you do a capital raise and did you ramp up your field activities in that 16-month period? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what we do and that's what you have to do. I mean, um, you know, the, the exploration side of things is a little more volatile than the others. Um, that is to say, you know, producers, developers, explorers, when uranium took off, we all kind of rose with the tide at that time and a lot of money was available. And that's the time when we have to, you know, take take the money and and get back to a lot of projects that we've got. And we we did. We took that opportunity to raise uh, to raise adequate funds to get back out and open up a number of projects that we had had under sitting under a sheet for eight or ten years, and uh, and that was a good thing. You get those things advanced, but as things come off again, you've you've got to slow back down. And uh, when did you um, how how did you make that? When did you make that decision? Were you already were you, a year ago? Were you saying right? Let's gonna let's dial it back. Let's look after our um, cash balance. Right. Well, we make sure that we're never we're never committed in a way that that forces us to spend money we don't want to spend. And that is to say, you know, we, we, we watch all of our projects and make sure that we're spending money. You know, it's not just all, always about, you know, what's that next hole and what's that next next big hit. We have to make sure that we're, we're equally maintaining our projects along the way and, uh, and, and hanging on to them in case we haven't got enough money to go back and, and, and work on them in another year or two. So um, that becomes a priority. The other priority is, is making sure that our staff are we've we've got uh, interesting ways to uh, um, sorry we've got interesting ways to uh, hang on to our staff and uh, and keep them busy and keep them active so um, yeah it's 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 really setting ourselves up in a way that we can dial ourselves up and dial ourselves down so as we see money not becoming available we had a lot of money available early in the year and we went out and did a fair amount of work uh, we thought we'd probably be able to raise more money in the spring. And get back out and do some work uh, this summer and the fall, but the markets uh, were not riding at a level that, that we were happy with. So we were able to put put things off and do do different work. You know, we're still out in the field um, doing some reconnaissance, doing some some prospecting, doing some sampling, doing things we have to have done in order to get out there with a drill next and maybe some geophysics. But um, we, you know, we're able to dial it up and down. You know, with with very little notice. And and that's that's the that's the way we've set things up here. And, and how, where does that leave in terms of the kind of ability to provide catalysts that are going to change the the fundamental value of the company? Because um, effectively, all exploration companies are kind of uh, or pre-discovery exploration companies are out there looking to make the transformational discovery, the value through the drill bit. Um, and where, 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 what options have you got with a limited uh, work program? Well, well, on a, it depends on the time frame you're talking about, right? So, um, we, uh, to your point, the catalyst is always a discovery of some sort, and we were talking about it earlier. But you know, the the obvious the obvious one is was was F three last uh, November December. Um, you know, who who has been doing doing the same, similar things we were doing? They've got a fairly sizable portfolio. 
They're doing the work on a regular basis. They're prioritizing their opportunities and, and raising money and ticking along nicely um, and advancing those projects. And then last November, they, they, they made a really good discovery uh, out, out near our Hook Lake project. And, uh, and stock price went up 575%. That's, that's what we're all looking for is that sort of a, a hit. But you have to be there to do it. Like you can't, and we, we see too many companies out there kind of blowing their brains out too quick and too early and, and promoting too quick and too early uh, things that, that aren't necessarily there. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that cliff comes at you kind of fast. So, um, you know, we make sure that we've always got work in the hopper, that we've always got things that we can talk about. Um, you know, our, our biggest opportunity right now um, is, is Hook Lake, which is our, our uh, joint venture with Cameco and Aranum. Um, and it's, it's, but, but again, as I said before, you know, our, our, our partners pace us in terms of, of how we can go out and do things. We, we were, we were moving into what looked to be a fairly significant mineralization zone at the end of, of our drill program last season. And where, where we would have typically kept marching on, um, you know, our partners say, okay, that's enough for now. Let's digest what we've got. Let's look at it carefully. Let's think about it and, and decide what we're going to do next. So. Um, you know, that's, that's the other side of, of working with the majors. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to keep a, a, a pace, a reasonable pace. You have to keep looking. And, and you have to be able to dial it up and down. If, if, you, if you really blow your brains out, you know, over, it's got to be a story that, that is, still, is still viable a year from now. Um, and, and a lot of people don't do that. Indeed, I've, um, I've experienced that myself. Um, <clears throat> Um, coming to the joint venture, um, is there a on hook uh, with Arana and Cameco? I mean, obviously, Arana's got its own dramas in the background with what's happening in Niger at the moment. Um, and um, how insulated is uh, something like the Hook project? Do you have a kind of a budget uh, that is set? Uh, do you know what is going to be spent over the kind of two, three year um, time period? Well, um, no. <laughs> We, we, I can, you know, we have a few things. First of all, the, the Canadian budgets for Arano and Canada, from an exploration standpoint, don't vary a lot from year to year in total. Also understanding that their focus is typically on identifying um, feed down the road for their existing mills and, and, and operations, which are on the other side of the province. Having said that, from an exploration standpoint, it's pretty clear that, that this is probably one of their, uh, if not the... Uh, most important opportunity they see uh, to, to identify another tier one deposit um, because they can't really lease, release a budget for, for anything that doesn't seem to have the uh, opportunity to come up with 100 to 150 million pounds. So the fact that they, they do keep financing and, and funding this project moving it forward is, is it, 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 it alleviates the, the need for us to kind of validate this in some other way, shape, or form uh, because they're doing that for us. Um, so how the budgets work, we typically around this time of year will start to get, uh, talk to them about how much money they think they want to put in the budget, how much work they think they want to do. Um, and we will start because we are the operator on the project. We'll start putting together proposals in and around that, that budget range. Um, we have formal meetings, uh, in late, late fall where we'll present to them, um, what you know, where where we think we should go next, and how that money should be spent, and what we think should be spent, and then by the end of November, you know, it's it's all approved, and and we move move forward in that in that sense. So that that's kind of the the process we go through. Do you, 
are you are you not tempted to um kind of come up with a work plan and say and kind of lay out the catalysts the value catalysts that could be created if you if you drill this x amount of meters and say listen th- th- this is what we think we can achieve if we drill this amount of meters this meterage um this is the budget tree well, we, we give them a broad I- range of choice believe me we're 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 shooting for the high end um and you know and and they are they're they are good partners in from a number of aspects i mean they when when we have these meetings it's not just three or four of us sitting there there are um, you know, there's a dozen of them out there. Like they, they heard all of their geologists and geophysicists and, and who on into the room. And, and, and it's, it's a very good, it's a very good constructive, uh, meeting as to what, what we think we're looking at and where we think we should be going next. And we take all of that into consideration. Do you compete for the exploration dollars with their brownfield exploration in the, on the Eastern um, edge of the Athabasca? Um, yes, we do. We do. Absolutely. We've run into that a few times. Um, but um, you know, we they understand they understand um, the importance of the project. They understand the importance of the project to us as well. Um, they understand that that you know if 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 they just you know walk away from it now, it's going to be very difficult for us as a partner to raise money on it down the road. So, um, but it if, I mean our budgets fluctuated from you know a million and a half dollars to five million dollars depending on on what's going on out there and what's going on in each of their backyards as well. Um, as I started out saying, there there is definitely more of a tendency to want to work on exploration projects in the east where their operations are, um, but but this is they see this as probably one of one of the you know last untested areas in the basin to to possibly be finding a, you know a, a deposit of the size that they'd be looking for. So they will continue to to keep it advancing and moving forward. As a matter of fact, they're looking at we're we're now getting a budget which we haven't for a while. We have another project out there called Smart Lake. Which is a, a, a joint venture just with Cameco. We own twenty-seven percent of that, and uh, you know, we ten years ago we hit uranium on our first hole out there, uh, but then all the, everything lit up over at Patterson Lake, and and all the attention moved over there. So probably for the first time in a lot of years, um, you know, we've we've been asked to put together a, a budget and a, and a um, proposal to to get back out there this year, and and start uh, moving that project forward. So it's it's it's. It's a very it's a very good uh, relationship we have. It's not you know we just don't get hammered or, or told what's what. Um, you know we 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 know everyone well there and they know us and uh, it's just very comfortable in that regard. What was the Clake budget last year, kind of roughly um, dollars wise? You gave well, a range. Last year, last year was was a small budget. It was about a million and a half dollars um, because it was a new area we were testing. Um, they, they wanted to, uh, again, we've got these corridors out there in the Patterson Lake. If you're familiar with that, that's one that runs up from fission uranium up through next gen and, and up onto our property, has really been the, the focus of, of most of the, the historic drilling. And um, there's a, another corridor just to the west of it that's actually closer to the heat source, um, and, it, and we haven't tested it. Well, we tested it. 10, 12 years ago and actually found uranium there as well. But we were looking for, we were looking for con- nonconformity. We were not looking for basement hosted stuff. So we, we back there for the first time this last year. And uh, we did, uh, we only drilled six holes. Uh, we started in the south because there's a lot of conductors out there. We were doing 400, 800,000 meter step outs, right? We weren't doing close drilling. Uh, to get our first tests. And as we moved to the north, it was really on our last hole that we started to come into, you know, 
the uranium and the boron and all the good things that, that we now understand, you know, is kind of the edge of, of good things. And, and that's, that's where it closed off because that was the budget. So yeah, that was, uh, that was last year. So this year we're, we're looking at, we're looking at a bigger budget. We're looking at a more, uh, uh, at a tighter, a tighter program and to really follow up on, on where we left off last uh, March. And you mentioned, uh, Earlier in the interview, you mentioned that you have some innovative ways of keeping on to, uh, to your staff, you know, holding the technical team together. Um, uh, I, I, I know only too well how difficult it is to keep a team together in a downturn when your um, GNA budget has to shrink. You have to let go of people. Um, but also the, 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 the technical team that you build up in the good years or, or over time is very much kind of the, the core of the the identity and the um, professional ability to explore of an exploration company. So um, can you just talk me through some of those methods or those tricks or those techniques that you use to keep your team together? Well, it, it is important because, um, you know, if you're, if you're taking um, people out of school or, or, you know, early in their career, um, they have a lot to learn and you, and you want to learn, you know, you want to show them what they're you know, how to go at this. And so you, you spend a year or two training somebody up in the good times and then they, then, then you have to let them go. Um, what we've done to kind of mitigate that, we've done a few things. Uh, number one, it's, is, is, I guess the way that we pay them. Um, you know, we, 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 they're employees and we, we guarantee them, you know, an appropriate minimum, uh, amount of compensation in a given year, but we pay them based on the days that they're in the field, the days that they're in the office, so when we're really, really busy, these people are making a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> and, and when they're not, they're not. But, but they understand the rules of engagement when they come in, and, and, and that all works for them. Sometimes, you know, they, they, they're going to take a month off if, uh, if that's the situation. But, but you know, they, they spent three months living in a hut, so uh, they get to do that. And uh, so that's one of the things we do is we make sure that, that, that we've, we've, we're, we're compensating in a way that, that allows that sort of flexibility to turn the dial up or turn the dial down. The other thing we've done in the past, which allows us actually to overhire a bit, is uh, to make uh, upfront arrangements with other small uh, exploration companies that, that can't go out and, and rent a, a, you know, a seasoned geologist for, for a three-month program. And, uh, and, and in that way, we, we you know, literally rent out um, some of our staff to these projects, and which works for everybody. It means that they're getting paid even more because that just directly goes back to the, the, the staff. Um, it gets them involved in different projects in different parts of the world and in different commodities. And, and so it, it's, it's worked out very well. And what it's allowed us to do is, is keep a, a fairly core, you know, solid uh, team of, of geologists who understand what we do and how we do it well, um, while at the same time, you're not going to see it in my income statement. I'm not getting to, we're, we're able to dial it up and dial it down. And, and it, those are the sorts of things that you have to do as an exploration company to make sure that you're, you know, you're riding that roller coaster and, and, that, and, and it's not a bumpy ride. It's a smooth ride. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you. Um, I might use that uh, trick uh, my, myself. Um, um, good. So let's let's here we are. The, the the equity markets are terrible. It's risk off. China's slowing down. Um, there's no sign of a turn. Any point, you know, just look at what's happening in the dollar price to, of of gold or copper or pretty much any any commodity out there. Um, and yet, and yet, and yet, we have this ongoing situation where the 
uranium prices are strong, and the, um, as you mentioned, there have been so many closures, and the um, uh, annual demand is greater than the annual supply, and so eventually there's a there's a, a bite point where the uranium price will get traction again. Um, do you have any feeling of when the equity market will turn or when the uranium price will turn? What did your crystal ball say? Well, well, isn't that the million-dollar question? I mean, how, how many people tried to answer that question over the last 12 years? <laughs> but, I mean, what, what, what keeps things strong is the fact that we know in our heart of hearts, to your point, there is a bite point. There is a tipping point where it has to turn because, uh, you know, at $56 uranium, um, it might as well be $20 uranium because you're not going to turn a new mine on. So we all know that the underlying uh, thesis here is that, is that um, at some point, supply and demand will take over, and you'll have to turn on a new mine, and the price will have to go up to $75 or, or what have you. And that's, that's kind of, I think, what keeps the uranium market strong, because we're, we're continuing to see um, more reactors, and we're continuing to see countries turn, turn their policies around to support nuclear. And so it's, it's on an upward swing, and I, and I see... I see people that are looking at the uranium market where they used to look at it as, um, okay, I'm going to wait till I get this pop and then I'll get out of it again. Um, they're now seeing it as a longer term play because uranium is becoming that important uh, as as a longer uh, as a longer term play. So when do we see it happening? I don't. You know, it's like I say, it went up. The price of uranium went up for 16 months. It's it came off a little over a year ago. Um, it's been sitting flat for the last year and a half. I think the last, uh, this year alone, the, uh, you know, the average spot price is around $52. It's now at 56. So it's, it's just been slowly, slowly creeping up, uh, not fast enough for anybody's love. Uh, but it has kept, it has kept uranium equities stronger than, to your point, a lot of the other commodities that, that, uh, you know, are, are not getting that kind of love, that are not getting that kind of uh, ongoing support because we know it's going to get better at some point. Um, so you've seen, you know, the producers are doing well. They came off like everybody else, but, you know, they're sort of following the spot price now. And, I mean, Cameco's at a 52-week high. Um, you know, the developers came off as well, but, you know, their their landing is a little softer than most um, because, again, they're playing a longer-term story. The equity or the uh, exploration companies, um, you know, are now... Hopefully, you know we're all sitting at, at at that low point. This is this is where me as a promoter has to say, okay, buying opportunity. But anyway, the well, uh, let's, but, I mean, but let's, to, to to that. I mean, um, uh, if you look at your share price chart over the last well, since Fukushima, it's it's pretty much been range bound between three four cents and sixteen seventeen eighteen maybe nineteen cents. You know, so. Um, uh, it hasn't had a breakout. It hasn't had a breakout. Um, what's the, what do you put as the investment case for? Right. Um, well, point. Because a breakout today. only really comes on discovery. Really, we've seen other people break out, but it lasts all of five or six months until people realize that it wasn't really a discovery or something to that effect. So, um, and I think the reason that that you'll you'll see us being relatively stable in that regard. And, uh, and following the ups and downs of, of the spot prices, a lot of it, I think, had to do with our relationship with Cameco and Arano. They, they sort of validated our existence and, and what we were doing. And we were able to, uh, you know, continue doing good work and, and had some news flow during that time and, and raise money as we needed it 
um, here in Canada. Um, but again, a breakout only comes from discovery. And discovery comes from all the things we've talked about. You've got to be doing the work. You've got to have more opportunities than two, right? This isn't, you know, you can't, it can't be a Hail Mary. Um, and, you know, the only, there's only a couple of us doing better than the average these days on the exploration side. And, and that's because I think if you look, uh, look at us and you look at a couple of other companies in that realm, it's because we've got good-looking perf- portfolios. We've got opportunities. We don't need to spend money on them today, but they're there when the money comes back. Uh, you know, we've got the people, we've got the relationships, and, and we're not, um, you know, it's not a Hail Mary. We're, we're operating and working in a, in a, in a, in a solid, uh, proper fashion. And if I could um, add to that, you, you, you've learned how to survive. You know, you've been through enough of these um, blasted downturns um, to to be able to adapt and kind of roll with the punches. Right. So I think, I think right now, you know, when is it going to turn? Yeah. Last week. Um, but but when it does turn, you want to be there. And I think, uh, you know, right now we're looking at, at uh, uranium equities probably as low, I would hope. I think they're all as low as they're going to get. Most, uh, you know, most of the uh, exploration companies are lower than they were three years ago. Um, so I think right now you are looking at at the bottom of the of the of the situation, and um, you know, and at some point, be it a year from now, be it six months from now, a year and a half, I'm not sure. Um, when it when it does move, and we all know it will move, you want to make sure that that your money's in a safe boat, not you know, not having sunk three miles back. Yeah, um, um, perhaps the, um, the the best catalyst will be people saying that um, capitulating. You know, when you when you see people saying, "Right, I'm selling all my uranium stocks. I'm out of this." That's the, that's the that's the time to uh, to get back into it. Um, Chris, th- thank you very much for the update. Um, it's been a long time since you've um, been on um, Crux, but I guess that reflects the uh, the, the market. Um, uh, I hope that your swift return is a sign of uh, the 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 broader uranium market and the equity market coming back with a with a vengeance. So. Um, Good luck with the work programs ahead and um, hopefully catch up with in, in, in the months ahead. Great. Thank you very much, Merlin.